Hello and welcome everybody to yet another edition of the Nerd Stash Presents The Long Box Hunter. I'm your host, uh, Long Box Hunter Tristan Benz, joined by the spectacular co-host, Drew Garrison. Drew, how you doing today? Have I used the spectacular adjective so far? I was trying to think of a good Marvel adjective since we're... I think last you know, time you used Marvel amazing, thing. but it's been a while since we recorded. Okay, well then we'll just say spectacular. Awesome. We're going to go through all the Spider-Man adjectives. At some point, <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, but I'm doing pretty well. I'm nervous for this one just because we have not done this before. I mean, you know, that's because we're trailblazers. You know, we're always out here ready to try new things. You know, just just setting a course for adventure and, and majesty. And we're just bringing the, the audience along for the ride. So what Drew hinted at today is that, yes, there will be a change in our normal format, as I'm sure you could have guessed by the title. But before we get into today's topic, i got to ask the normal questions. So, Drew, what comics and graphic novels have you been, have you been reading just, you know, for your free time, your, your personal life? What do you got going on? So, uh, for, the, for the comics thing, I have currently been going through some of Jim Starlin's old warlock run i am mm. yeah it's been a, it's been a while since i um read it and it's like i was like i wanted to i wanted to see classic warlock thanos and captain marvel shenanigans so been going through some of that you're getting getting a little cosmic here i see oh yeah cosmic like okay. if i like if i go for cosmic characters most of the time i go to marvel not that D- DC doesn't have good cosmic characters. Like, I mean, DC arguably has the best cosmic characters with the Green Lantern Corps, but, you know. Well, yeah, the Green, the Green Lantern Corps is a, gr- is a great um, co- cosmic landscape, but I feel like with Marvels, it's, bo- it's as structured as the Green Lantern Corps, but also has r- a lot of room where it's just, like, a lot of stuff could happen. And also, I think the Green Lantern Corps um, sticks to a sci-fi roots, whereas the co- Marvel Cosmic, it's like... Oh no! Everything on there's everything on Earth plus more. Like you have magic, you have magic, you have mutants, you have all that stuff. There's and, space uh, magic in in you know in Green Lanterns. Well, yeah, there's the red there's the Red Lantern Corps, but then it's like used once for their creation, and then we never uh, hear from it again. I mean, you know, there's uh like all this arguably the New Gods space magic. They don't really follow. They don't really follow science. The New Gods. They're just out there doing true whatever it is New Gods were- do. Yeah, true, but originally they were hard sci-fi, and then the magic was added after Final Crisis. Eh, that's debatable. That's that's debatable. I mean, you never read Cosmic Odyssey? I don't think I have read that one, actually. Read Cosmic Odyssey, man. Also, like, even after, quote-unquote, Final Crisis, like, the anti-life equation in general, sure, it's a mathematical formula, but I don't know, it's it's pretty mystical to me as well. And like stuff like Rock of Ages, like, you know, that sort of complete yeah. domination over all society. Like, oh, yeah, sure. It's, you know, hey, it's uh, it, it's science because it's an equation. But we all know it's it's space god magic. I mean, they're yeah. called the new gods. No, not the new mathematicians. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Either way, Cosmic Marvel is still, you know, good stuff. Yeah. Also, you just made me want to see DC introduce a group called the New Mathematicians. I mean, you know, when we eventually get to write for DC, which 
God help the world if we ever get to that point. Uh, we will. I'll, I'll make sure to slip in some some new mathematicians for you. I'll. I'll. You know. I'll. I'll look to. Uh, who's the voice actress for Miss Martian in Young Justice? Danica McKellen. McKellar. Ooh, Whatever her name is. I don't know her I'll, last name. I'll bring her in as a consultant. She's a mathematician. Uh, so, you know, she's got DC ties. I'm sure we can we can put our heads together and come up with something good. Uh, something that'll really be both mathematically sound and just a really entertaining story. But speaking of entertaining stories, uh, as for what I've been reading in my personal life, following your, your cosmic vein, I was reading uh, up until... The day before yesterday, uh, all of Kyle Rayner's Green Lantern run. Woo! You picked a beast! I did, and I... Th- let me see, when did I... S- I finished on Sunday, and I want to say... I started sometime last week, uh, maybe Thursday? Wednesday at the earliest, but I think maybe Thursday. And I read all that. I read the Green Lantern Sentinel miniseries, um... I read the tie-in issues with Green Arrow and the New Teen Titans, and I think there was a couple tie-ins. I read, like, one tie-in with... I skimmed the Guy Gardner one, because, like, I'm only reading the stuff where, where Kyle pops up. I don't. I love Guy, but I was like, I'm not trying to get into Guy Gardner Warrior right now. That's a whole other... <laughs> that's a whole other thing. I was like, I don't need to know what's going on with these Voldarian powers. I, this is never going to matter ever again. Let me it, just for, let me for just those of you very out. confused by that statement. At one point, Kyle was the only Green Lantern in existence, and they didn't want to like put Guy Gardner on the back burner. So suddenly, they didn't want to dilute the Green Lantern brand by also making Guy another Green Lantern again. Yeah. So what? Ha- so they um, basically just gave him alien superpowers. Yeah, they made him like. Almost like you know how like Blue Beetle can make weapons with his armor. They essentially made Guy like an organic Blue Beetle. Like he could turn his gun, his arms into guns and like feet into jetpacks, and he was super strong and he could heal. It was a whole weird thing that they eventually did away with in uh, Green Lantern Rebirth. They're like, Guy could just be a Green Lantern again because this shit's weird. Yeah. And it's like suddenly, like his, suddenly all that history was just gone and wiped away. And well, you know, it's funny you phrase it like that, because that's pretty apropos to what we're going to be talking about today. You know, another little fun tease. But, as always, also got to include, you know, one random comic or continuity fact that you just enjoy or find amusing. So, Drew, what do you, what do you got going on? What's, what's entertaining to you? What, what little factoid is immediately springing to mind? So originally I had prepared for this and I had a Thanos factoid. Mm. Well, Thanos Adam Warlock factoid. But now I kind of want to do one Green Lantern factoid, which is pretty, which I feel is pretty funny. So this one deals with pretty much the Lantern Corps as a whole. Jon Stewart once found out that if a Green Lantern is under the effects of mind control or the fear impurity, their rings become less green in color. Interesting. So they become more of like a almost like a like a lighter green. They go like from a, being like a like a forest green to like a Granny Smith green apple. Yeah. Um. I don't think they really show the the color on it that well. But it, from what it looks like with from John with his stuff, the constructs become they would become a lighter green. They become closer to yellow green. If, like, he's under mind control or if the fear impur- impurity is returning or anything like that. 
And if you don't have it, your the color is more solid green. And John actually um got this idea when he noticed that Hal's constructs are more solid green than any other lantern. Well, you know why that is. Well, yeah, we all know why that is. Because he's the fucking best. He's the goat. Some of He's said. the goat. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. You know what? It's rare that you 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 pop a, a Green Lantern fact that I'm not aware of. But I'm. You know what, Drew? Kudos. Thank you. Kudos to you. Now, I'm trying to think, what is my fact? Oh, uh, Green. Uh, here's a, a Green Lantern fact. Uh, so people know that you know. Well, I don't know how many people know because. You know, I don't know how many of our listeners are actually big Green Lantern fans, but the Green Lantern Kyle Rayner, who Drew mentioned was the only Green Lantern in the galaxy for like a good decade, he was unlike the rest of the Lanterns who were, you know, chosen by the rings because like you have the ability to overcome great fear. He was just in an alley at the right place at the right time, uh, right as Hal Jordan was, you know, destroying the the Green Lantern Corn Gant. It's like, ah, you'll do. And he literally just says, ah, you'll do. So, you know, Kyle got the ring by happenstance. The reason why he was in that alley is because his friend, who we would later realize is an alcoholic, puked in the sink at a, at a, in the bar. He was trying to get him to the toilet, puked in the sink, and it smelled so bad that Kyle was like, Jesus Christ, I need some fresh air. So he wouldn't stood in the alley. So if his friend didn't have a crippling alcohol addiction, Kyle wouldn't have been the Green Lantern. That is both the saddest and funniest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone uh, can be a Green Lantern if their friend's puking. I get. I guess so. It's like, technically, technically it's like, I forget if this is still in continuity, but um, Guy Gardner was supposed to be the original person that received Hal's ring, but because... That is true. That is, and uh, Hal was just closer. <laughs> yeah, Hal was just closer. <laughs> Which is fucking hilarious. As someone who does love Guy, like, I, I love all the Lanterns. Uh, and you know, I'm sure at some point we'll do some type of Green Lantern episode. Um, it is very funny to me that guy was just like, well, he's too far away. And that has led to the last, like, you know, 40, 50 years, however old guy is, I guess over 50 at this point. Cause John Stewart had his 50th anniversary a couple years ago and guy was around for a couple years before that. But hmm. the last, however many decades of guys, massive inferiority complex <laughs> compared to Al. Just because he wasn't close enough. That's funny to me. Hey, hey, hey. Guy will, al- Guy will always be number one in being the least, li- the least like Lantern that Batman, that Batman likes in all of, well, I guess, comic though. Well, that is true. Actually, you know what? One more fun fact. Actually, no, I'll save this fun fact for next time in, in regards to Green Lantern, because we're, we're getting too into the weeds here. You know, I can, I can go on about Green Lantern all the live long day, but we got... We got a, a big deal to talk about today. We're we're True breaking that. the format, you know. We gotta we we gotta shift our our mind, you know. We have to open our third eye. We gotta channel the eye of Agamotto. Okay, so oh, I like that. Yeah. So now that we've covered our fun facts, we can get into the actual topic of the day, which everyone has seen if they you know clicked on this episode and read the title. Should Marvel Comics reboot? Now, for everyone who's listened to our our Issue Zero, our debut episode, we did say that, you know, aside from just doing book recommendations and breakdowns, we'd also occasionally be doing debates, and that is sort of what we're doing today. So, 
unlike their unlike their distinguished competition, you know, get it? Because DC is what that's what you know. Sometimes Marvel people refer to DC as the distinguished competition because it's DC, huh? Uh, uh. I I always did love that the comic community can find some way to make a pun. (laughs) Who doesn't love a good pun, you know? But anywho, unlike their distinguished competition, Marvel Comics has never fully rebooted their universe instead of opting to go with a sliding timescale, like, you know, like a soap opera, you know, that sort of thing, or a telenovela. And this has raised more than a few continuity glitches and snafus over the years, leading to some fans wondering whether or not the House of Ideas would be better off rebooting their continuity, a la DC Comics' Crisis on Infinite Earths, or even the new 52. Now today, Drew and myself will be sitting down to explain why we do or don't support such a dramatic change to the Marvel Universe, and doing our best to convince each other of our points of view. And who agrees with the reboot, and who doesn't, may surprise you. Unless you listen to a previous episode, which I think we may have discussed this topic then. I don't, I don't know. Anyway. It's been, it's been a while since we recorded. It's okay. been a while. It's been a second. All right. Time has no meaning. It's a social construct. But before we get to our opening arguments, let's, uh, let's have a little conversation, Drew. Because I got to talk to you about something. And I got to talk to our listeners about something, you know. I got I to gotta clue them in on, on the business, you know, the bee's knees. Because if you're looking for the best place to get your gaming and entertainment news, check out the Bee's <laughs> Knees, which is the nerdstash.com. Okay? The nerdstash.com has a plethora, a cavalcade, a cornucopia, an embarrassment of riches in terms of very talented writers and content creators, such as yours truly, who are making it their mission to give people the latest news in the world of gaming, movies, television, comics, tech, all the nerdy crap, everything you need to know about. But that's not all. Are you looking to join these esteemed ranks? Are you looking to get your start in the game or entertainment journalism field? Or are you just trying to, you know, beef up that already fancy pants resume? Regardless of your experience, consider applying to join the writing team over at the Nerdstash. You can find the link for the site in the description of this very episode, just the same as every episode, regardless of what platform you listen to us on. And in that description, you will also find a link that will direct you to any open positions we have available at the site. All you gotta do is click on that link, follow the instructions provided, and BOOM! You're off to the races. You're there to reboot your whole, you know, entertainment journalism career. You see what I did there? Yeah. Oh, and just yeah. FYI, and just FYI, guys, I literally went to the nerd stash for a little bit of Tears of the Kingdom help for anyone who's still playing that game because it's really good and there's a lot to do. Uh, but I did get well. See, yeah. So they got some good tips and tricks. They got some good tips and tricks, and you could be contributing to those tips and tricks. Maybe you know all about Tears of the Kingdom. I don't, so I'm not going to write about it. I also legally can't write for Nerdstash anymore because I write for Screen Rant. It's a whole competition thing. But, you know, you can write about Tears of the Kingdom, and you can help out people like Drew who don't know how to play video games. Hey! <laughs> I'm, I'm joshing you i'm not a, i'm not a nintendo guy so you you are infinitely better at tears of the kingdom than i am because i don't even own a switch i do have a gamecube though uh memories and you know what game i play frequently on the gamecube what's that x-men next dimension <sighs> we're doing and x-men legends what are that should be another topic what are we gonna get more good x-men games come on I know this isn't power up and game, but I'm going to talk about it real quick. Look, Black Panther game, great. 
Iron Man game, great. Don't know why we're getting a Black Panther, Captain America team-up game set in World War II with two other playable characters. That one, uh, I mean, it's by Amy Henning, though. The story's going to be good, but it's just, you know, whatever. I don't know, not doing it for me. When are we going to get an X-Men game? All right? Come on. I want. Uh, there's two types of games I want in this world. Well, not two types, but there's two superhero comic games that I need. I need an X-Men game, a, a good one for the new generation, because we've got good old ones. But I want a good current one on, on current-gen platforms, and I want a good Superman game. And I don't know that I'm ever getting either of those, at least not anytime soon. Yeah, but you know what game that uh, I, want ba- I want back, man? Mm. So, we've been missing this for a while. I know that the last one did not sell so well, but that's because you didn't put any goddamn X-Men in it. Bring that's back Marvel versus Cap... Oh, Marvel versus yeah. Cap... Oh. Yeah, yeah well, it's go. one Put of the only, like, two fighting games I ever played, okay? Put some X-Men in it, and we'll be there, alright? We'll be there. <sighs> Just give me X-Men content, man. But anyway, that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about should Marvel Comics reboot. Now, Drew, you were the one to suggest this topic. You're the one with such a strong feeling about it, so I'm gonna let you present your opening statement, opening argument, whatever you want to call it first. What are your thoughts on should Marvel Comics reboot? Alright, so, I am all for Marvel Comics rebooting. The reason be- the reason being is that Marvel Comics has had tons of problems with their continuity, to the point where even events that are tied to certain storylines don't match up to their continuity anymore, because I don't know if nobody's... Li- is talking about at Marvel or if they just aren't doing any fact checking on their stuff. But at this point, the continuity is so it's it's everywhere. It's like you can't get a handle on it. You could be re- you could be reading how um two characters are getting along in one book and then suddenly, ah, yeah, um this event, they haven't been getting along for the last such and such years because they don't actually like give you a time a time scale in most of these events because the type sliding time scale, all all of it has gotten out of hand, and considering that Marvel has still said that everything that has happened in their continuity happened in ten years unless otherwise stated, I think ten years. I think a lot of people should really really look at the, what has happened in Marvel and say all this happened in ten years. You're telling me Spider Man had thirteen girlfriends. 13 girlfriends uh had a, nearly had a kid with Mary with Mary Jane then almost got replaced by a clone and also had his venom symbiotes all that stuff Eddie Brock had a kid in the middle of Spider-Man's career doesn't know about him that kid is 10 years old by the way or older he might be a teenager now cuz uh I he's I, I don't he's in he's in high school okay yeah at least in middle school but he's he's you know yeah, I don't re- I don't read the Venom Venom comic. I uh they overplayed him for me. But it's like he went through all it's like he went through all that. Not to mention Franklin Richards. Franklin Richards, the biggest of the how has everything happened in ten years plot debacle. Well, that's less of a debacle because they he his uh his and Val, Val not to interrupt your opening argument, but just you know for factual thing. Because remember when uh with uh at the end of Secret Wars when he and his family they went off rebooting the multiverse like 
they were gone for years. Like they were only gone for maybe what one year or a few months in the main continuity. But by the time they got back, you know, time had worked differently for them. So he was, he and Val were teenagers. Like when Val left, she was three or four. So that you can easily write away as, ah, well, the multiverse. Yeah. But continue. Well, all this stuff has been just, has just been a lot of cavalcade of stuff. Not to mention that a lot of it also has to be retconned anyway, because new writers don't want to be upholding to that continuity because there's just so much of it. I mean, how the how the hell are you supposed to know that's oh that once upon a time Matt Murdock and Black Widow actually bump naughties and they are actually exes? So it's a little so um so it's like, like this is huh? Well, like everybody knows that. Well, a lot of comic fans do, but also like there was a contradiction as there was a comic where apparently they they apparently said that they had never gotten together. I think they tried to write it off as Black Widow was still suffering from memory loss when she was mind controlled for a bit. Uh, but, uh, it's... How was that? What issue was that? So, so, it wasn't m- more mind control, it was more of her memory was wiped, and she was, like, living with a cloned kid and a husband. Uh, I'll have, I'll have to, I'll look it up for you after all this is over. But, but, but the whole point is, there's a lot of, con- there's, a lot of con- there's a lot of continuity, and a lot of stuff where they have to keep up, and, and it's like, some of the stuff... You don't even know if it stays in continuity because if it's not popular, it seems like Marvel Universe likes to ignore or just go past it. Or if it or if it is a lot of controversy, they'll keep it for they'll keep it for a while before then saying, "Ah, eh, we're we're um, fine without this." My whole point is that Marvel should retcon. Heck, they even had several points. Well, where retcon or pro- reboot? What's the? I mean, I mean, yeah, reboot. Sorry, I said I retcon. Like, they're already retcon and left and right, like you said. Oh yeah, yeah, they're left coming. They're retconning left and right, but Marvel should reboot at this point. Allow them to have a fresh start. They already know where they're going to go with a lot of stories anyway, because some of them are too classic to give up. And it's not as th- and it's not as though like people haven't asked for it before. When Secret Wars twenty fifteen, yes, I have to put the year because there's multiple of them, was coming out. Everyone was excited to see Marvel reboot. It was it was something that Marvel said they were going to do. They were going to stick to it and it's like it's time to let the to um restructure the marvel multiverse and then they didn't do it which is one of their most controversial moves back then it's eight years later and the continuity has gotten somehow worse than before so now with everything with everything that has gone on it's time for marvel to just take their characters and bring them back to step one it kind of feels like they're trying to do that all the time anyway so this is the perfect moment. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, I'll save my rebuttal for... Well, I mean, next to my opening argument is also similar to rebuttal. My opening statement. Uh, Drew, what the hell are you smoking? Because <laughs> let me tell you, Sonny Boy. Uh, as we all know, you know, la- ladies and gentlemen of, of the jury, you know, Distinguished colleagues, you know, friends, countrymen, lend me your ears. I'm just a simple DC fan over here, you know? I'm just a small town Justice League aficionado, if you will. And if there's one thing I know, all right, in my 20 years of reading comics, if there's one thing I've learned, and yes, I'm going into a Southern lawyer voice just because it fits the theme, if there's one thing I know, It is reboots, okay? And I am here to tell you, 
that Marvel does not need to reboot. Now I'm going JFK. This voice is all over the place. Point being, Marvel doesn't need to reboot. I don't... Uh, here's the thing. I'm a big DC guy, as we know. You know, as I just said, I'm a small town, just Just League aficionado. I've been reading DC all the live long, live long day. And, you know, most of my love for Marvel comes from the X-Men. But, especially over the course of the last few years, you know, I had a lot, a lot of time on my hands during the, the Panini, you know, the Pandemic Lovato, the Pangea, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and did I... you seriously just call it the Panini? I sure did. And... I spent a lot of time getting into to Marvel. I've read more Marvel in the last uh, three years than I ever had in the entirety of my life, to the point where now on my, let me see, uh, four by four giant like shelf from Ikea with like eight cubes, half of them are Marvel, half of them are DC. Now I have other shelves with, you know, a little bit more DC stuff. I still, my DC collection still outweighs my Marvel, but it's still, it's still an aggressively large amount of, of, uh, Marvel comics, graphic novels. So in the course of my, uh, what, what, what do I want to call my Marvel education? I, I read through a lot of shit, you know? I read Bendis's uh, Avengers, you know, which goes through a lot of major events in the Marvel Universe. You know, I read I read a lot of Hickman's Avengers stuff as it was coming out. I've been reading Marvel single issues since Marvel now, but, you know, the, the older stuff, the stuff that's so heavy in continuity, I, I was... Uh, not as as educated on and i read all of you know chris claremont's uh x-men which was 16 years so even though it was off in its own corner still gives you a big idea of, of you know the timeline and continuity of the marvel universe as a whole and i gotta say i found the continuity just you know real fine to follow i i have yet to encounter any of these issues you're talking about where things aren't tracking i'm like ah it's a sliding time scale like now is the whole argument that it's everything happened in 10 years that stupid as hell? Yeah. It was stupid as shit when uh, in the new 52 in, for DC, they're like, oh, it all happened in five years. Like, the, there's no way that logistically makes sense. I just ignore that. I remember. Especially since they kept the uh, Batman and Green Lantern. Yeah. Oh, don't even get me started on that. That's a whole other conversation. But I remember during Dance Lots, Spider Man, I think it was the issue actually. I guess it was around Original Sin. It was like the, whatever volume it was, because, you know, he relaunched Spider-Man, what, like three or four times? Uh, whatever volume of Amazing Spider-Man it was right after Peter came back uh, from Doc Ock having his body, and it flashed back to when he, he got bit. This is 13 years ago. I'm like, okay, sure. That, that, you know, makes sense. I can picture Spider-Man being like, you know, 28, almost 30. Now, technically... Peter and the X-Men, the founding X-Men, are supposed to be the same age. But there's no way in hell you can convince me that Cyclops is anything younger than, like, 36. But I yeah. think he's closer to 40. It, it all, it is, it's a big factor of characterization. And I think that's what a lot of people get hung up on. And a lot of what Marvel editorial gets hung up on. Which is what leads to these weird moments of characterization. Feeling like things are conflicting. Feeling like the, the continuity, the history isn't necessarily all it's cracked up to be. So my opening statement isn't that Marvel Comics should reboot. My argument is that Marvel editorial should just be more purposeful 
in the things they're putting out. And that's, you know, a, a larger conversation that I'm sure we'll have in this and that we're going to have when we eventually talk about the current Amazing Spider-Man run, because I know we've got thoughts on that and how editorial is playing with that. But now that we've got our opening statements out of the way, Drew, we're going we're gonna to have a free-for-all discussion and we'll be able to go back and forth. But cool. I have questions for you before I before we have like the full free for all discussion because you're the one who's proposing the reboot and I'm, this isn't me saying oh propose like lay out your whole plan but I'm curious because I want to understand where you're coming from when you say Marvel needs to reboot like you've said why and though I don't necessarily agree now I'm curious about the how do you mean like you want this to be an alternate continuity, almost like the original intention of the ultimate line. Are you saying no, like from here on out, like earth six, one, six, that, that continuity needs to reboot. Like, is this a whole new timeline? Would it be, and, and obviously, you know, answer these, you know, at your own pace. I'm just throwing out a general, like, I want to get across what I'm wondering. Would it be a full reboot? Like, Hey, we're starting boom, everything over. Or is it going to be, freaking piecemeal like the new 52 where they're like oh we're saying everything's starting over but here's these things that have still been going for however long or to be more like crisis on infinite earths where it's like yeah these are the new origins for superman batman wonder woman green lantern like this is all starting over what's your what what are you thinking here let me in inside the mind of madness so my idea would be that it's a full that it's a full reboot we're starting from part one again but it's gonna, and there are gonna be some changes. Like of course, like of course, some things are gonna happen a bit earlier because now it's like we have the addition of popular characters who are probably gonna show up a bit earlier. Mm-hmm. One of one of the questions I I question myself is: Do we start with like the original five X Men, or do we go with like oh um, the uncanny the uncanny X Men, which is where they got popular with mm-hmm. uh. The, with um like that team and just say like oh the original x-men did start uh, at some point it's like there's a there's a lot of uh questions where it's like you'd be like okay where would they where would they start where would they go and um do we want do we want to do um old old stories with a twist or do we want to do new stories i would say that's what i'm asking you (laughs) yeah so i was so my so my whole thing is like if you do a full reboot I'd say like you can do do you can like harken back to old story old stories a bit with like a bit of a twist, but also like go with new stories. Like, could you imagine if could you imagine if uh Spidey and if Spidey and Gwen had to restart dating again and you wonder if she could even survive that continuity? Could you ima- could you imagine like uh the fantastic the Fantastic Four starting their family? again or would they already be married it's like there are so many different questions of where you could take the marvel universe and how it would interact would the avengers be established or are we starting with their establishment there's so many different ways you can take the story and it feels like again with marvel nowadays they really want to change around everything just look at marvel 1 million bc they really that's just dumb let's not look at that (laughs) let's not look at that that's when we should all know it's like all right jason aaron i don't know if we should be letting this man cook with the avengers like this he said he's done good stuff in the past it's not me saying jason aaron bad writer better writer than i am clearly but that was we don't that that throws a wrench in so many x-men things that i just ignore it 
Like, it's, it throws a wrench in the X-Men. It throws a wrench in the timeline of Thor and his and the Asgardians, the Black Panthers. It's so, so many, so many wrenches and everything. Also, it's like, I don't know if Jason Aaron ever tied it to, um, Ara- tied it to Arako, um, with, uh, the first, mu- with the first mutants and everything. Especially to my knowledge, he did not. Yeah. See, that's something they can also tie it together. It's like with mutants and also like the, Eter- the Eternals, considering that that plot line was never brought back up again. Uh, what the heck? The Eternals are supposed to be like the second oldest species on Earth. Why the hell? Why the hell are they not in this one million whatever? Especially They're dealing with Celestials. Eternal stuff, I guess. I don't know, sleeping in the dirt or whatever the fuck it is they do when they're not hunting deviants. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a big Eternals guy. Neither am I. I, re- I really am only a fan of the Neil Gaiman run. Yeah. But I like. Uh, I've read the first arc of Kieran Gillen's run, and that's real good. Then I liked them in. Uh, you know, I liked his work with them in. in uh, a A X E Judgment Day, like that was good, but that's the extent. And I, you know, and if you guys listened to last year's ranking of the MCU on uh, Nerd Stock Movies, you'll see that I had Eternals pretty high. Personally, I enjoyed the Eternals movie, so you know, I'm not gonna sit here and talk shit about the Eternals. But what I will say is that, yeah, I, I don't. I don't have a, a, a deep bench of uh, knowledge to defend them on uh, on this issue. Yeah, it's like the Eternals are honestly one of those spots in the Marvel Universe that bringing them up at all can cause issues with the continuity. Sure. But I mean, yeah. to be fair, I feel like every sort of, not even just uh, Marvel or DC, really any sort of, of storytelling, I think there's always going to be some type of staking point where you're like, wait, hold up. Like, there's one area like that, I don't know. Like, any type of wide universe thing. Like, that's a thing in Star Wars. Pretty sure that's a thing in Lord of the Rings. There's some things in Harry Potter. Like, you're just like, hmm, hold up, that doesn't that doesn't track. But then you just go, ah, let's just not think about it, and you move on. True that. But, but as I was saying before, it's like, with with the full reboot, everything, at least for, at least for like, the first few years, they could at least have a, they at least play in a knowledgeable time scale and everything. Mm-hmm. And it can give a, it can give people time. It not only can bring in new readers, it can give people time. So that way, when Marvel and DC do their next event, which thank God they haven't been doing a lot of events lately. You say like, that as Night Terrors just started last week and I just could not care less. And I'm annoyed that it's interrupting two months worth of but, books that I actually want to read. <laughs> wait, 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 that's a full on event? Uh-huh. Yeah. Dang it. Okay. But... <laughs> My whole thing is that they can play it out in an event that'll that will actually like affect the Marvel un- affect the Marvel universe like they want to, where they can have a status quo to shake up. Do you remember what that feels like, Tristan? To have a status quo. I don't quo know who Tristan that- is, but I don't know that they were Tristan. That I said Tristan. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe or maybe or maybe I'm talking too fast or trying to enunciate too much. But it's like it's like, do you remember when when um identity crisis shook up the shook up the status quo because a lot Batman of people no don't want to remember identity crisis and i can't say i really want to remember that book either but you know it did change things not necessarily for the better but sure it changed things yeah and then there's like secret invasion and dark rain it's like it's like we think of dark rain as an event but it was actually a status quo that happened for three for um two to three years real cool status quo real cool yeah. status quo, I'd, I'd, I'd say. 
Yeah, and it's like, then we, ha- then we had the event that brought back the Age of Heroes, and it felt earned. We had, a bo- we had a moment where we saw what the world could look like under the reign of villains. So your argument, hold on, so is your argument that nothing has mattered since Siege? Is that what you're saying to me? Not, si- not since Siege, more of... Well, that's what brought just- back the Age of Heroes. Well, yeah, I know. But like, but my whole argument in that was that we had a shakeup to the status quo, and the shakeup lasted for three years, and that was the new status quo. Then the status quo changed to the Age of Heroes, and that was the new status quo for a while. Now, I haven't done extensive research to say when the status quo stopped mattering, but let me ask you, Tristan. Uh-huh. In the Marvel universe, in the Marvel universe today, besides the X Men who have been off in their own corner doing their own thing with the, uh-huh. with Jonathan Hickman stuff, what in the Marvel universe has remained solid in their status quo in recent memory? Well, solid in what context? Solid as in in terms of quality and telling an interesting story, or just solid as in stagnant and staying the same? Because a good story is gonna, you know have growth and change like yeah. there's an argument to be made that spider-man has been solid in the status quo of sucking for the last 20 <laughs> years but past that like you know writers okay, have been hold, doing on. hold on 20 years come on man 20 years, i mean on, man. Like, well, when, well it's more like 15 okay uh, i will accept 15 but it's, like, tw- but it's like superior was like- good and i like the dance lot run but i mean sucking in terms of not letting peter really grow as a character yeah. Sucking shouldn't be shouldn't be the word he's. I would say stagnant. He's he he has not been. He's not. Really he's still a teenager, even though he's twenty eight. Yeah, yeah. But in in what sense do you mean? Like status quo has been solid. Like, give me what are you? Because I feel like you're trying to do this as a gotcha. But you know, all these stories, like, yeah, well, no, not going a, through things. Because well, Daredevil, not really like, a gotcha. Not Daredevil really a gotcha had a. And... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I wasn't really trying to do a gotcha. I was trying to do like more like, hey, you think you think about this character and think how literally they have had a change almost every two months where it's like their entire when their entire character and their um status quo changes. Like, so for instance, it's like, let's do let's deal with Thor for a minute and just his mm-hmm. um status quo for a minute. So Thor became unworthy, became unworthy Thor during Jonathan Hickman's run. And that actually lasted for a long time. Afterwards. Uh, yeah, Jason Aaron's. Yeah, Jason Aaron's run, and it was in Jonathan Hickman's run as well. Mm-hmm. Then it kept, then as it c- continued on, he remained unworthy Thor. But then, but then, as stuff went on, he lost he lost his name, lost his t- lost his titlehood. Suddenly, his arm was gone. Then he got it. Then he got it back. Then he got. Then he lost it again. Got a golden arm. Then he. Then it's like Asgard fell for the second time in the same run. <laughs> then we got Odin, and Odin was. Um, alive, then dead, head, then uh, taken over by taken over by the queen. Then afterwards, he came back again. We had um, Mighty Thor, aka Jane Foster Thor, who is one of my favorites of the shakeups, and she actually got to stick around for a while because all new, all different Marvel tried to stick around for a while, and she got a good storyline out of it. But at the same time, Thor also nearly became War Thor, then didn't because. I'm not sure. Well, cause you, well, you got to get Volstag a hammer. Well, yeah, yeah you have to get Vol, you have to get Volstag, Volstag a hammer. hammer. I don't know. It's cool. Yeah. Then the serpent came. Then the serpent came back. Then is gone again. I honestly don't know what happened to the serpent. It seems like after the run ended, he's just gone. Uh, 
Serpent came back, technically takes over Asgard because Odin is staying near his nearly dead wife. Mm. Then, through all of that, the Phoenix the Phoenix Force becomes in, and it's hinted at that Thor that it might be um Thor's actual mama. Thank God that's not true. Uh well that was in Avengers. That wasn't at Thor. See, here's the thing. It seems largely like you just have a beef with Jason Aaron. Because everything you're talking about is all stuff that Jason Aaron wrote as part of his story. Yes, it is, but that's because the, Jason Aaron has been writing Thor for a while, and I like Jason Aaron. Yeah, he Aaron. wrote it for, like, what, his run was seven years? So, yeah, there's going to be some... some. It was seven years, right? Because he started... He started pre... No, he started at... He started with Marvel now. Like, he was one of the... Yeah, because he and Asad Ribic were... They started with the God Butcher story. Banger. And then he was on until... Was it? Was it 2020? Was it 2021? It was during the pandemic, wasn't it? Because uh, he was replaced by um, Donny Cates. Yeah, and, he was replaced by Donny Cates. Klein. But I think, yeah, I think, yeah, he ran for seven years, if I recall. Yeah, so he had almost a decade. So sure, like there's going to be some, when you're telling a single narrative, there's going to be a lot of weird up and downs. And then he yeah. kept on going with Avengers, and that's just a book that happened. Yeah. Now, here's here's my question going on with this, because I have a rebuttal to this whole thing, but I have a follow-up question real quick that I want to throw in. Do you think that you would be, and not to just dogpile on Jason Aaron, but do you think you would be feeling as strongly about this whole reboot thing if, for the last however many years, Jason Aaron hadn't been spearheading the Avengers, which is supposed to be the flagship Marvel book, The Tone Setter, uh, if he hadn't been spearheading Avengers and throwing in all sorts of weird connections that nobody asked for and doing retcons and whatnot. I think I would, just because he wasn't the only one throwing in those um, mm. major retcons and everything. It's like, even, like, like I like Jonathan Hickman's stuff, but let's, but let's be honest, Apocalypse was not a million years old before um, the Jonathan Hickman stuff. Then there... Then there was um, some of the uh, some of the other X Men stuff that was going around. Like Domino became uh, a celestial for a hot second. It was literally just like for one comic issue. That sounds more like a bit than a major status quo thing. If this is just for one issue, then so are you talking about during the Gail Simone run? No, no, no. Well, I'm trying. I'm trying to like get to something with that because during that, it's like we it's like we found out like there was a there was um changes there was changes to like the mutant origin and everything. And it almost happened to where mutants were not a creation of the Celestials and stuff. Almost. Jonathan Hickman then took over and that was restored. So, it's like, there's just a lot of stuff where they want to change the history and everything. And even though um, it is popular, Immortal Hulk changed the situation of Gamma Energy and the history about that. Apparently there have been Gamma monsters running around on Earth for literal centuries. And that was not a... And that was not a part of Jason's stuff. That was part of the Immortal Hulk stuff. Yeah, the Al Ewing, the goat. Yeah, Al Ewing is the goat. I'm not gonna. Here's here's the thing. We can we can jokingly dog shit, uh, dog pile on Jason Aaron shit all live long day. I will not stand for any Al Ewing criticism <laughs> or slander. The things that man has been doing on Krokoa and on Araco with Storm, forget about it. That man is just oh my god. Keep that man right in everything for the rest of my life. Like I, I want him to go back to writing Blue Marvel because that it's just been, I miss him. I mean, he just wrote him in uh, Defenders Beyond that just ended a couple months ago. Yeah, and uh, that's a, that's also one of the thing. The whole cosmology of Marvel has suddenly been flipped on its head. The one above all is no longer above all. Yeah, well, 
Who cares? You know? Yeah, I get it. But it's like, if you're going to, but it's like with all these shakeups and everything and trying to redo their cosmology and stuff, it just seems like every writer is trying to rewrite um, how the Marvel Universe rules and everything. And it's like, if that's so, it'd be, it not only be easier to reboot, but it also would allow so that way, like, hey, these care the characters, um, you can start them off in different spots to allow the exploration of this new cosmology to feel more orga- organic and everything. Whereas before, it seems like, oh, yeah, so remember this guy that you, like, got, that uh, we said, like, was the true, most mm-hmm. biggest bad or, like, the ultimate power in the universe? Well, there's a new one and everything. It's like, I love all, it's like, I love all you, all you wings run, but it's like, the one below all, when that was first introduced, I was like, okay, this is gonna, this is gonna be, this is gonna have a cascading effect. Mm-hmm. Like, that was my first thought. It's like, we introduced the one below all now, who is actually the opposite of the one above all. And it is, it's like, when that first got introduced, I, I knew it's like, the Marvel cosmology is about to get a reshuffle, and it is g- going to be crazy. Let me just, so, because I, I just want to clarify that I'm, I'm thinking, I, I want to make sure I'm understanding you. So a lot of your issue with it is it feels like these writers are, you know, competing to make the next big thing almost and like make these big grand sweeping changes with the status quo, at least with the yeah. cosmology. With the with the status quo and cosmology and all that and all that stuff, and it comes off as like nothing is actually connected until there's a crossover. Uh huh. So then, what? Why would that be any different with a reboot? If everyone's starting over, then that would just give them more room to just be like, "Hey, you do whatever you want." Because with a reboot, you actually can lay down the rules and a plan, whereas like with the current uh with the current with the current way things are going. There, it doesn't feel like there's a there's a plan, or even like the reboot can happen. But if they want, if you want editorial to come down and lay down, hey, like we have like a plan, we have an initiative, like we have goalposts we want to hit, we want to have, we want to institute this new structure, these new rules. Why does that have to be a reboot? Why not just a relaunch? Because that's essentially what Dawn of DC has been. You know, it's been this refresh, it's been this relaunch with this new mandate, this new guidelines, and it's been successful without rebooting the entire universe. Well, the reason I chose a re I chose a reboot personally is because a lot of the stuff would because allow- a lot of the stuff would allow characters that they are trying to write a certain way and uh-huh. their changes to feel more organic. With Spider Man being the one that's biggest in my mind, again, he is acting like a teenager at twenty eight. I mean, true, but that's I mean, that's just questionable writing. And when's the last time a reboot actually felt organic? Like, the it's always going to feel either like, hey, things got too complicated, so we're changing everything. Or, hey, we know that these is, this is a good way to make a, a quick bump in sales, so let's do it. Like, it feels like a business decision. When's the last time that there was an actual, like, full-on reboot, continuity-wise, like, this totally makes sense. Because for the sake of argument for reboots, like, here, let me just use DC as a couple uh, as an example. So they've got DC; they're known for reboots, right? Like this is that's one of the major sticking points. Whenever a lot of people online will argue, "Oh, what's better, Marvel or DC?" and people are like, "Oh, well, at least Marvel hasn't had to reboot their universe, you know, every five years." You know, you, I'm sure you know we you've had you've heard that argument before, right? Yeah. 
And these reboots have been met with varying levels of success. Like, Crisis on Infinite Earths, I would argue, was probably the most successful quote-unquote reboot, and it dramatically changed the DCU from, you know, all those parallel worlds and multiverses and all these different timelines from the the 40 years leading up to it down to, boom, one timeline, right? And that, those changes last for a good decade, then you get to zero hour, and it's like, oh, so, okay, some things are changing a little bit, but it is what it is, it's whatever. And then, even though those changes hold for decades, events like Infinite Crisis, and then Convergence, and then Dark Metal, and you know, Rebirth and Infant Frontier, all the, guess what? The Infinite Multiverse is back. A lot of these retcons that we had have been changed. Like, we're, we're back to the status quo of Infinite Earths. Then, the second most, you know, prominent reboot, you've got Flashpoint, which is, yeah, successful from a business standpoint, like with the new 52, sure, but it did away with decades of character histories and relationships, which, sure, you know, newer fans, you know, it, it brought in new fans, new readers. They didn't have that context, so they didn't, you know, miss it too much. But then older fans, such as myself, and, even, you know, people obviously, and I say older in terms of, you know, experience with the universe, not old, old, because I was 14 at the time that it happened. But more long-term fans, you know, it didn't necessarily sit right with them. Like, well, okay, great. So we've got this reboot, and now Superman and Lois aren't married but Batman's on Robin number five or well, number four. Cause guess what? Steffi Brown didn't exist. Like what, what's going on? And it's to the point now where new 52 happened in 2011. This was 12 years ago. Uh, God, it is, it's almost 12 years ago on the dot. Cause justice league number one dropped in August of 2011. I think I remember, I think that was that the first thing I put on my pull list. So I remember my the, had the comic shop call my mom to let him let him know when when uh, they would have new copies in. But anyway, <laughs> so that was over ten years ago. The new Fifty Two status quo that lasted from twenty eleven to twenty fourteen when you had DCU for like a year. But you know, I'd say overall twenty fourteen to twenty sixteen, it was like that that you know five year chunk. And then since twenty sixteen with Rebirth. Pretty much every relaunch, every reboot has been DC undoing, you know, rolling back those continuity changes because the fans weren't happy about all these character histories, all this time and investment they've had, you know, for decades being erased out of nowhere, you know? Does that, do you think that would go any different for Marvel? Like, do you think people would just be like, oh, okay, yeah, sure, this is fine. And then Marvel eventually wouldn't just cave and go back to what they're doing now? I think the I think the possibility is higher. Reason being that, again, 2015 was really around Secret Wars. Everyone was excited for Marvel to reboot. I never thought they were going to reboot. I thought they were going to relaunch had like they'd been doing for the last three or four years because they were constantly real i mean they're slightly better about it now but ever since marvel now they did like between marvel now and secret wars they did what like three line-wide relaunches you know yeah but i never expected it to be like okay the continuity is entirely changed i thought it might be similar to infinite crisis where it's like yeah this one or two things are different in our history but you know, and I didn't expect it to be all like, all right, this is, you know, Spider-Man's new origin. You know, when they tried to 
updated the origins for a modern age, you know, however many years after Ultimate, when they did the the season one graphic novels, like I thought that was a fine initial. It's like, okay, so this is the new uh, origin in in a quote unquote modern timeline. This is how you know we're, we're referencing in continuity. Cool, great, wonderful. We get this new refresh without having to undo the last sixty years. Well, yeah, like I understand. I understand. Like you didn't believe that that you didn't believe that, but it was all all over the internet that everyone believed Marvel was rebooting and people were excited to see what was going to happen, what was going to ch- what was going to change, and they because and it's like they. A lot of people thought it was going to be like a full scale reboot. Like mm-hmm. they were fully, cha- they were fully changing, and it was, and uh, from what the online reception was, they were excited. So if Marvel did it, if Marvel tried to do it again, I'd be like, yeah, it would, be, it would bring some, it would bring some excitement. Now, again, this is only hypothetical. It's like you can't, mm-hmm. you can't really guess how the people will react and everything. Yeah, but I feel like they would be excited just because from that experience they were having back in 2015 2016 when secret wars was ramping up to that it was ha- it's like everyone was like oh this is gonna be this, like this is gonna be amazing. the marvel universe is gonna be completely different and everything sure. and it was actually and it was actually to the point where when it didn't reboot there was a lot of online discourse with it so sure but you know you say everyone was on board was it there are a couple things a are you sure that it was like all Marvel fans online, or is it just the echo chamber that you're seeing? Because I'm on in co- online communities where, hey, guess what? You know, uh, they're not a big fan of this particular series, but I go to another corner and, hey, everyone loves it, and the book is still selling well. Because comic sales, the comic book industry has become such a niche hobby industry, and, you know, there's some people like, oh, it's shrinking, it's done, interesting, whatever. But the average age of a comic book you know, buyer, I think is like someone who is obviously like older than us. Like, I think it is the age range of like, you know, 30 to 50. Like it's become a hobby thing. It's people who've grown up with this stuff and not to, you know, play age politics or whatever, but how many of the, you know, 47 year olds have been reading this stuff for 30 years are going to go on Twitter and be like, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the reboot or no, I'm angry about it. Like the, our echo chambers on Twitter, and I only say this because this is a trap that I definitely fall into a lot with, you know, the fan communities I'm in. Our respective echo chambers on Twitter do not reflect the actual general market. If everybody that I follow in the circles that I'm in on Twitter, on comic book Twitter, if they were reflective of the actual market then things would be a lot different. We would have a lot more representation. C- Cassandra Kane would have an ongoing Batgirl series right now that would be on, like, issue number 809 because it would be selling, like, gangbusters. The Whatever chitter-chatter is going on the on the internet doesn't always necessarily reflect sales. How many people are pissed about Amazing Spider-Man, right? About, you know, we always... We mention it every week. It's become a... a running thing with us but how many people are pissed about what's going on there but it's still selling consistently well and has been selling consistently well for the last you know however many decades and despite all the things where people are like oh this is terrible like even throughout dance lots run which i personally enjoyed but a lot of people hated like oh this is terrible they need to reboot it to relaunch it they reboot with nick spencer and it starts off great and then it gets to a point where it's like kind of and people look like, oh this is terrible this is worse than dan slot's run now we're on zeb wells run people look like, oh this is terrible this is worse than nick spencer's run and it's still a pretty you know hefty seller the internet doesn't necessarily reflect 
what the actual sales are, what the actual audience is, no matter how much we wish it was. So just because, you know, people on Twitter, however many years ago, were like, oh man, a reboot would be cool. I'm not, I'm not willing to buy that it would go over as well if it happened today. Like, I don't really know, really know what to say about the echo chamber and everything, just because it's like, if, like you said, like it, like the comic industry has constantly said, it's like, oh, the uh, comic, like you said before, the comic industry ha- has been getting smaller and smaller and everything. It's like, if that's the case, if these people who have grown up with this hobby is like, are the ones consistently buying it and everything, then why is the, then why is it that comics on both DC and Marvel side are constantly trying to change that status quo? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not saying that they're the only ones buying, and I'm not even, I'm saying that the argument has been made that it's shrinking. Like, I'm not saying, if anything, I think it's, I don't think that it's shrinking, but I don't think it's growing as much as people would expect it to with how popular comic book movies have been. That's, that's the argument that I would make. Yeah. I understand that. But if like the, if the comic industry wants it to grow a bit more, then you're going to have to grab new readers, right? So... Mm -hmm. They're gonna need a starting point. Reboots are also great starting points. After Crisis on Infinite Earth, after Crisis on Infinite Earths, it's like you could start with Crisis with Crisis on Infinite Earths, or after or afterwards immediately with the new um, re- with the new relaunch books. And suddenly it's like, hey, you can pull in new readers. New Fifty Two was a gr- was a great time for people to get into new stories and everything. Sure. Yeah. And even me who and even me who like what who like only read like a, the occasional Superman story and everything. It's like. New Fifty Two helped me get into Superman more. It's like that was a, a whole whole thing. Re- reboots and re- reboots have the um, ability to allow for new readers and even for old readers to get into new stories. So, sure, but I mean, well, and you use the example of New Fifty Two, but as we just talked about, like they've also spent the last, the better part of the last decade, they've spent more time correcting, quote unquote, or you know returning to their previous status quo before the new 52 than they ever actually did in the new 52. Yeah. And I agree. And I agree that they have done that, but, if, but for me, it felt more like a business decision because the new 52 was still sell was still selling, but then it's like in our quarters of the internet and everything who liked the old continuity and everything. And we're like, complaining about it. It's like, Oh, we could bring back the old, we could bring back the old stuff and everything. And we could push for we could push forward with uh, saying like oh all the continuity matters. Mm-hmm. And what do you think would stop them from doing that with Marvel? Like just for just to play devil's. I, I hope you know. Like I know I'm coming at hard, but I'm just playing devil's advocate. I honestly am. Yeah. Not, you know that. Yeah, and if Marvel, could, on and Marvel, I'm just curious. What would you? Marvel could possibly Marvel could possibly do that. They could possibly do the same thing where it's like where it's like we have a bunch of people complaining that all the old stuff all the old stuff is technically gone and everything, but it's mm-hmm. like at the same time. At the same time, and everything, they could, like, do exactly what DC is doing, like, with a Marvel rebirth and everything, or whatever they would call it, like, a Marvel miraculous or something like that. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but um, I don't think that changes the fact that reboot is a good idea and everything. Like, even See, if they do, do even if, hold on, hold on, hold on. But even if they do, re, um, like, resh- reshuffle again to, like, bring back the old continuity while, like, incorporating the new one and everything... It's still with the whole thing of hey, um, we're doing this again to like bring back the old continuity restructure so new and old fans can like talk about it t- talk about it together and everything. It's still ha- it would still help um, it can still help solidify the universe, especially depending on how they do it and everything. And don't forget, it took DC from nineteen eighty five to what? Like I can't say DC Rebirth was when they uh, made all continuity matter. I guess you could say like after like 
Dark Knight's metal. If we're talking, well, if we're saying, oh, everything matters, then sure, it would have been metal. But if we're talking just retcons of the big continuity that they just already changed, like, you know, you went from Crisis on Infinite Earths to Zero Hour, and then from Zero Hour to Infinite Crisis. Like, those are, if you go on the different wikis, like, yeah, those are I mean, the like, different sections of, like, oh, well, now this continuity is different because fans were confused about this, you know? Yeah, I agree, I agree with that. So the whole thing with it now, the whole thing with it now, though, is that um, if they did, if they did restore the con- continuity, of everything it took, D- it still took DC the better part of nearly forty years to actually like go down that pathway and everything. Well, realistically, let's say thirty years, because if we're going just oh, the infinite multiverse is back, got to shout out to Convergence. <laughs> okay, that's it. That, that <laughs> is true. Piece of shit <laughs> miniseries. I'm sorry, I don't like to be too negative, but that book, that book was bad. It was it was a bad book. I didn't like it. I read all of it. You know, I didn't I didn't like it. The ironic thing is, like, I didn't like Convergence. I like most of the mini stories that were eight. Yeah, cool. Yeah, the little mini times that were flashbacks to the characters that we missed from the new Fifty Two because no one was super on board with the reboot at that point. Yeah, sure. I loved seeing. That's how we got John Kent. You know, we had Clark and and Lois mm-hmm. give birth to baby John, delivered by Thomas Wayne. Um, yep, yep. But yeah, that miniseries is what I've, I've got all four issues in my closet somewhere because I haven't, you know, thrown away pretty much any comics since high school. But I haven't thrown away a comic it's, period. It's, I, well, I've never thrown any away. I've, I've given some away, you know, to like, you know, local, you know, street urchins. Uh, <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> sold them to comic shops. You know, okay. But uh, no, so yeah, Convergence was bad. But in terms of making everything matter, yeah, like it's we it's more like thirty years than forty years. But your point stands. Yeah. But even now, with just real quick, like going on your point about everything matters. Even now, with Infant Frontier and then Dawn of DC saying, "Oh, everything matters." fans such as myself and i'm sure you were still in a thing of like wait so what is canon what is it? it's still confusing it's less confusing than the new 52 you know but it's because they're leaving more up to the fans where they're like you know what if you want it to be canon sure it's canon but it is a thing of like wait so do these people know each other like how long like how old is supergirl i don't know she was she's in world's finest uh hanging out you know going on a date with robin but then, you know, for the, when she first appeared in the new 52, like, she was how old? What, 15? 16? Yeah, 15. But then we have her like 15 turning 21 in Woman of Tomorrow. Goated book. Can't wait for the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. But the end of Woman of Tomorrow is like, okay, well, it's clear that everything that happened before that was a flashback story. So then now you see Supergirl in the regular continuity and she's got the suit that she was wearing at the end of Woman of Tomorrow. So it's just, it's all just like, what? So you, I, I guess what I'm stuck on, if we want to say stuck, because, you know, again, this is just devil's advocate, obviously. Marvel's not coming to us for <laughs> our opinions, and this is just a fun, you know, theoretical debate. Is, Unless you want to, Marvel, we're open for it. Yeah, if you want to, hey, if they want to come talk to me, they want to steal away my DC idea for the new mathematicians, like, <laughs> I know Jonathan Hickman's got his God's book coming out, but I tell you what, you really want to blow the lid off Marvel cosmology, you get in touch with me so I can tell you about these new mathematicians. Um, <laughs> but I guess what I'm, I would say hung up on is, I just, we've seen so many reboots with DC and we have even saw like reboots. Well, we saw relaunches with Marvel now, like all these new number ones to get a new readers and sales, you know, went up and it worked. 
but even going back further, the ultimate universe, where it's like, this is a new starting point. This is where we can get new readers. We saw how that turned out. And, you know, now they're bringing yeah. it back with Ultimate Invasion. You know, we'll, we'll see. Now with more cannibalism. I'm, I'm Oh boy. God, can't wait. Can't wait for all the cannibalism. Um, <laughs> just going to be, I tell you what, I cannot wait to see ultimate Captain America. Just, just chowing down on, on, you know, freaking Kazar. God, it's going to be a blast. It's going to be the um, new Hector Lanable. Oh, oh my goodness. I'm so excited. But I, like I said, or like I was trying to say, I guess what I'm hung up on, even though this is obviously a theoretical thing, is I don't see how a reboot of Marvel, like right now, with this, uh, where they are at with their current continuity, I don't see how that would turn out any differently than any of the DC reboots we've had or the Ultimate Marvel stuff, and without alienating or frustrating fans along the way. Because realistically speaking you know, a lot of what, a lot of why Marvel in the last decade did a lot of the relaunches is, you know, quite frankly, because they wanted some of that MCU synergy. Like, I think we can agree that, you know, there's a few instances where it's like, okay, we'll re relaunching the Guardians now. And it's a tie in with a new movie. And guess what? You know, they're going to be funnier and quippier and, you know, just little things like that. I mean, it seems like completely different. Yeah. It seems like we're killing Kamala Khan to bring her back with these stupid light powers from the MCU. So, they're they have already dipped their toe into to the relaunch pool, not necessarily the reboot pool, but the relaunch pool. And we have seen over the last decade with the rise of, you know, the the popularity of the MCU and comic book movies in general, while that has led to a greater mainstream recognition and understanding of these characters, that hasn't really translated to comic book sales. Like and that's not me gatekeeping. Like if you're a fan of those movies and characters, then you're a fan of those movies and characters. It is what it is, but that's not necessarily being reflected in the direct market in terms of the actual comic book, comic book fandom and industry. Now, anyone can be a fan. Anyone can jump in at any time. And I, over the last, I don't know, 20 years have had no shortage of people say to me, you know, even just in the last couple weeks, Hey, you know, I'd like to read comics, but I just don't know where to start. And I mean, they were saying that before the new 52, they were saying that after the new 52, they were saying that before Marvel. Now they're saying it after Marvel. Now we've got all these new number ones all the time. But I don't necessarily know that the general audience who you we would be trying to attract, you know, with this reboot, I don't think that they would know that like, oh, there's no continuity now, I can start fresh, great, whatever. I think that you just see a number one, you know, like, okay, cool, whatever, like, this is what I have to do. I don't know how much of an incentive, I guess that's my other argument at why I don't necessarily think it would end up any different than these other reboots we've seen. I don't necessarily know what a lack of established continuity. I don't know how much of an incentive that is to attract new readers, because I think there's a big argument we made with the new 52 was it wasn't just that, Oh, you know, we're starting fresh with a confusing continuity of is Batman <laughs> new at this, or has he been doing it for a thousand fucking years? I think it was the fact that it was also just a line wide new number one, like, it's just all boom, 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 boom. Because I don't have the direct 
I mean, I don't have the sales numbers, but I feel like Marvel Now was also pretty successful. Like the original Marvel Now that came out in 2012, you know, the relaunch right after yeah. when we were in high school. I feel like that, I don't know if it did as many numbers as the new 52, but that did invigorate a lot of sales and get a lot of buzz and attention without totally wiping away the previous 50 years. So I'm just... Like, yeah, I guess my whole thing is I don't know what a, a lack of continuity. I don't know how that would incentivize anybody as much as we think it would or as much as it's being argued. So this is from my experience, everything, because mm-hmm. you've speak, spoken a lot about your experience. Yeah, so. go ahead. I want to exper- experience. For, yeah, from my experience, it's like for when I'm talking with people who like say that they they don't get into comic books or they try to get into comic books, couldn't mm-hmm. do couldn't do it and everything is they don't know. They don't know. Uh, they don't know. Conscious- um continuity they don't know how this yeah. world fully works they're like oh i have to read you know however many i have to read 50 years or whatever before i understand this yeah and before across the spider-verse and before across the spider-verse and everything um i told it's like i was helping my friend get involved in everything and he was doing his own look up he was doing his own look up stuff moment moment he heard like oh there's an entire multiverse of spider-man he was like so spider-man is like a multiverse character it's like the moment, like they he- the moment, like they hear that and everything. It's like, oh, uh, you have to start explaining it, and it's a lot to explain. It's a lot to explain with all the baggage and history and everything. Instead of well, P- instead of well, uh, no, Pete is a guy who goes out on the streets. He shoots webs, swings through buildings, uh, sleeps with a lot of sleeps with a lot of girls. Also deals with a lot of death and uh, deals with a lot of problems. He's your everyday average dude with spider powers and everything. Mm. So with the whole thing with like a con- a continuity that's at least semi stable, it's like again these are different writers with all different with all different wants and everything that um are trying to write their own seminal storylines and everything. Yeah. With all the with all that being said, with all that being said though, there is it's like there is something that can attract readers as a continuous continuity and everything to to pull up a piece from like manga and everything. I don't I don't read One Piece. I don't I haven't gotten into it. But despite that, it is constantly getting new readers just because it is something that you, they can get into that is uh, has a um, streamlined continuity and everything. Yeah, you just start at number one and then keep going. Yeah, and then with my, and then with My Hero Academia and everything, My Hero Academia has two spinoff books, and even with that, people can get into those books and still know the state of the world and how mm-hmm. it wor- and how it works and everything. I think that's one of the big things with. With a con- with a continuity, and everything like so- like manga goes with oh we'll do a long running series that can go up to literally a thousand or more to f- tell the full story and everything and just keep going and even with some of their stories that has the continuous uh that do have continuous stuff where it's like a n- new chapter every weekend they're not planning on ending ever mm-hmm. but it's like at the same time it's like you still want to know you still want to know like the basic state of the basic state of the world you're in and everything there are a lot of readers who just want to know okay what's the deal and it can sometimes be hard with how comics are shaking up that deal all the time well and see i don't disagree but i will say there is one thing that i'll give marvel over dc that marvel's typically better about is always having the recap page at the beginning like that's typically more of a marvel thing you don't really get that as much in in dc but you know at the beginning it was like oh you know spider-man's been swinging last issue spider-man was swinging around and he accidentally swallowed a bug in this issue let's see how he deals with that you know like i i think that is 
there was the old, I, I, I don't want to, you know, misattribute this to Stanley because everyone gives Stanley way more credit than <laughs> he actually earned. But I believe it was, you know, it was his insta, his, or no, actually, no, actually, I think it might've been Jim Shooter where every issue is somebody's first issue, you know, like that was a lot Stanley. of people, that was Stanley. Okay. Well, you know, knock on what we got there. Right. It was either Stan. I think it was Stanley, but I do think Jim Shooter had a policy that reflected that. Because I think that was when, was it when Stan was publisher and then Jim Shooter was editor-in-chief, I want to say? I think that was right. Either so. way, every issue is somebody's first issue. You know, how many times, and I've, I've used this analogy with people who want to get into comics, but they say, you know, I, I don't know how to, where to start. How many times have you gotten into a show where you came in just right in the middle of it? You know, like, oh, it's on season three or whatever, but you happen to catch an episode and now you're invested and you just want to keep going back next week. And then you end up watching the whole rest of the series. And then, you know, maybe you go back and you watch seasons one through three. I don't necessarily, I do think that, yes, like clearly the comic book industry has to reckon with the fact that just, you know, it's sheer history is intimidating. And I think that comes from a couple of different places. I think people hear comics and A, they either don't realize they're still being published because I've met people who didn't realize comics were still a thing. Um, or at least that the they were putting out new ones. Uh, B, I think people have a misunderstanding of comics as a whole and they just think, oh, it's just the superhero stuff. But comics in general are a medium you know, like you would have like movies or TV. You don't think, Hey, I want to get into TV and you decide I have to watch every single TV show ever. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not yeah. like, Oh man, I want to become a, a TV buff. All right. Now let me go watch every single episode of this obscure German, you know, reality television show from 1984 just so that I can understand what's happening, you know, next week on it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Like, I, I think people, and again, this is this is not something you and I are going to solve having this conversation, but it's, you know, relevant to the issues that would lead to a reboot. I think people get themselves worked up with thinking, oh, I have to under, and I know this is hilarious for anyone who knows me and is listening to this, uh, but people get too worked up thinking, oh, I have to read everything in order. Like, you just, at least with comics, you know. You just quite frankly don't have to do that. I remember the first series that I tried to collect the single issues for, I didn't have it on my pull list yet because I didn't realize that was a thing, but I was going back every month, was Red Robin, the Tim Drake Red Robin series. And I jumped in at like issue 18. And I was like, okay, well now, you know, when 19 comes out, let me get that. And sure, obviously, I clearly already had way more, you know, background information and background knowledge than you know, the average guy walking off the street because I'm a big fucking nerd and I've been a big fucking nerd all my, all my life. But the number of times in high school or college that I would just lend, you know, graphic novels to people um, just to be like, hey, you like whatever movie? Just read this random ass story uh, about, you know, Superman or whatever and or Spider-Man or whatever. And they'd be like, oh, this is cool. Like, do you have another one I could borrow? Like, I think it's and this is a big part of why so far on this show, you and I have discussed books that are good jumping on points, a good encapsulation of characters where 
I don't think that you have you obviously don't have to start at the beginning. I think you just have to start at what would be the best beginning for you to understand what a character is. Now, yeah. if that and is, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and I I do agree with I do agree with that because as as you know, like my jumping on point for comic books was Infinity. Yeah, Gauntlet. you you and jumped in with one of the biggest Marvel events of all time that led to one of the most successful film franchises in history when you were was, six. It, it was fa- it was fate. Okay. It was fate. It was fate. So clearly, <laughs> but, yeah. you know, clearly, I'm just saying, if a six year old like you can can jump in and be like, "I love the Infinity Gauntlet," <laughs> it's led to a lifelong fandom. I think people get they get too worked up, and whether or not starting with what is the best jumping on point for a new reader, whether that is a total reboot or whether it's just a new number one. Or there's just you just pick a fucking story up off the ground. I think it's way less complicated than people make it. And my and this is a conversation you and I, I'm sure, had quite a few times in Combo Club. I think another part of my hesitation for this reboot with this new oh look oh we're all taking it back to number one. How many specifically with Marvel and DC is definitely guilty of it too, but Marvel in the last like decade did this way more than DC with the constant relaunches. How many new number ones are they going to have? Cause you, someone asked like, Oh, do I just start with, you know, Spider-Man number one? And then you say, well, which one, you know, like, yeah, it, in the last, how many times did they do Marvel now? Like sure. DC had the new 52 and then they had DCU, which relaunched about half their books and then they had rebirth. Okay. And obviously they've had more since then, you know, Infinite Frontier and now Dawn of DC. But just for the sake of argument for that five-year time frame. In that same time, Marvel had, they had Marvel Now. Then they had, was all new Marvel Now. And then like all new, all different Marvel Now. Like they had like three or four different variations of Marvel Now before DC even got to Rebirth. So I also just don't trust Marvel in this theoretical scenario to reboot with number one and then actually stick to that and have the follow through. When's the last time a Marvel book got to 60 issues? How, how much was Immortal Hulk? Was it 54 issues? And that nice. was, it was less than yeah. 60. And that was like, wow, this is super impressive in this, in this modern, you know, in, in this modern market, even with DC and all the relaunch they've done. The, I think the two highest running books at DC now, aside from, you know, Detective and Action being over a thousand, you know, with the, the legacy numbering. But yeah. since Rebirth, I think Batman and Nightwing are the two highest running ones right now. And that Batman's at one, I think it'll be 137 when it comes back from the Night Terrors. And then Nightwing is at... I want to say what one oh five one oh six so that and that's very impressive and you know I I think obviously we understand why Batman is that high running it's Batman you know so yeah clearly that's always going to sell Nightwing a little bit more surprising if I'm being honest but you know people love people love Dick as we said that first episode <laughs> people love Dick love Dick Grayson love but it, even love Dick Grayson and the love Dick and Grayson. The dude is like one of the most popular. Characters who just never really got his time to shine because I guess editorial mandate or something. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. But 
my point being, I don't trust, and it's not just Marvel. I don't trust DC to really do it either, unless it's Batman. I don't trust that even if they had the reboot, they then wouldn't just immediately relaunch with a new number one for that artificial cash grab. Like I just, and it's going back to it. I just don't, I don't buy them committing to making things simpler. Even if they relaunch and they keep that same new continuity that you've established, you've still got yet another relaunch. I don't know. I just, I don't, I think the comic book industry has a lot to figure out in terms of how we want it to, you know, stick around for another almost hundred years. But I just can't wrap my head around another reboot, at least another reboot outside of, Oh, this is the new version of the ultimate universe or whatever. If it's, if it, you know, is its own timeline. Great. But I don't see how rebooting the main continuity that I think they've, they've done a better job than I would have expected for the last 60 years of keeping it straight. I don't, I don't see how, that would be successful. Just me personally playing devil's advocate. Like I just, I, and maybe it's just, maybe I'm in the minority on this. Maybe people listening to us were, you know, all, all for a reboot. Um, but it just, I don't know. I don't see it, it being successful in the long run. feels like a band aid, I guess over a, a bullet hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can understand. I can understand that. I don't, well, I don't know. Do we have any other? As we, you know, I guess we didn't really sway each other. <laughs> We're still pretty set in our ways. We're both very set in our ways. And I honestly, like, it's us. I know us. I don't think, I think in these debates, things, it's more going to be, did we sway our audience? Which, yeah. did we sway you, audience? That's the Please question. Please let us know. Please let us know. Because yeah. realistically speaking, I don't know that there's anything you and I can convince <laughs> each other of that we don't already believe uh i don't know you've convinced me of a few things a few times i feel like that i feel like me convincing you is an impossibility you are very stuck in your ways I, you know hey man it's the mental illness <laughs> i don't like i have an adjustment disorder i'm i'm neurologically averse to change if i make a choice that's just the choice i'm, I'm sticking with um but For no me, i i i i do think that yeah like it's all about it's about how we sway our audience but continue yeah yeah for me for me it's like i am i'm one of those people who likes to hear people's arguments and i like to think and i do like to think about what um what that what their argument brings to the table how does that change things and Mm -hmm. everything uh one one person told one person told me i'd be a horrible politician because of that but uh, (laughs) yeah i uh, mean here's the thing i'd support you but i don't necessarily know if i could vote for you with full confidence Hey, hey! It's like I'm trying to make the best decision for the country now. Come on, uh, but anyway, but uh, yeah, my whole thing with uh, my whole thing with the uh, with this whole thing with this whole reboot business has been mostly like just trying to like consol- consolidate things and everything because with because mm. D- with DC and Marvel and everything, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be completely I'm gonna be unfair. At one point, there were things that felt that felt like oh all this stuff can change these small things remain immutable mm-hmm. and in recent years i think dc has done a few stuff where it changes that but marvel has been the most ones where it's like even the stuff that you could ground yourself in and say okay this will not change and you can get into comics that way that has been changing a bit that's been changing a lot with it and if that's the case if like that 
is if that changed, then wouldn't this be better if this small part of history was solidified in some way, mm-hmm. at least for now, and then the change happens with a reboot and everything? I think that's how DC did it for a while and and everything, because it's like with with um again Crisis on Infinite Earths and everything, it's like it was rare that you had that you had stakes in your comic books yeah. for a, for a while and everything, and then Crisis on Infinite Earths. Like it was like okay, this continuity is riding up. Let's be honest, they didn't care about the continuity because this was the this was still around the time where it's like at one point Batman and Superman would would be like fighting a radioactive monkey and everything, and then nothing and then none of that would be brought up ever unless hey it man, was a direct hey, series. as someone who was reading the the Green Lantern uh, sector two eight one four stuff, the Lin Wein Dave Gibbons stuff pre, I was reading some pre crisis stuff. There were stakes, like it was it was the eighties, like we're not talking talking like 60s and 70s stuff like this yeah but that was more of a yeah it was more of the shift to it having stakes and everything and then it's like continuity started to matter i mean the neil adams uh and denny o'neill they're both the batman run and the green lantern green arrow that was all pre-crisis that had pretty sizable stakes like there was a sort of long form narrative storytelling yeah and like and like i said though it was more of it was shifting to that Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's why um, Crisis on Infinite Earths what was pretty much called in by DC. It's like okay, we are shifting it. We have we have stuff that is going to remain solid for as long as we can make it. And it's like that's how it conti- and that's how it continued and everything. Because again, it's like in the Golden Age, mostly. Well, there are a few outliers. Mostly, continuity didn't matter to to DC at that point. Sure, but by the time we got to Crisis on Infinite Earths, we were well past the Silver Age. Like, we were in, like, the Bronze Age. Or, no, I guess the Crisis, or Dark... Yeah, Crisis was the was the start of the Bronze Age, or the, the quote-unquote... I think Crisis age? was the start of the Bronze Age. Let me see. Many people attribute that to them. Because I saw someone considering, like, the 2010s, like, the Plastic Age. Let me see. DC Golden... Oh, come on. Age, After all those cool metals, we're going to switch it to the Plastic Age? Yeah, I, I, I'd rather not be in the Plastic Age. Let's see. The Golden Age is 1938 to 1954. Silver Age is 1956 to early 70s. So yeah, we were in the Bronze Age already, like deep in the Bronze Age for Crisis on Infinite Earths. Okay. So thing there there were stakes. I don't know what what pipe you're smoking. There there were stakes, but I do get what you're saying in terms of, and and this is what I this was my argument of. I don't necessarily think we need a reboot fully for that because what you're saying is like, there's no, it doesn't feel like there's as much oversight as there should be with these little continuity things. Like it's not as cohesive, I guess is your argument, right? Yeah. And even in similar stories, just before you continue, yeah. uh, even in like, even like stories that are written by the same person and everything, there are times where it's like, Oh, this is like, this is the new history and everything. And then it's like, Oh, nope, no, it's not. Yeah. So, and I've, I used Dawn of DC as an example of, hey, like, we have a mandate. We're going to reach these goals. Like, we're going to focus on these aspects of these characters. And it's been doing pretty well so far, like, critically and to my knowledge, financially. But I think an uh, example close to home for Marvel, and I guess this will, we should probably start wrapping things up because we're going a bit longer than normal. And, you know, I don't want to give Taylor too much work. But yeah. my example closure to home for marvel would be you know jonathan hickman and and company's x-men relaunch and and 
the way that they relaunched all these books, they established a whole new status quo for the X-Men. But their methodology for building out this new corner of the Marvel Universe, this refresh of the X-Men, the way they tied into each other's books in an organic way where you could just read one book and, you know, you're totally fine, you're totally happy. But if you're reading every book, you're getting fun little tidbits and everything was cohesive and lining up with each other. Because of the way that the creators were actively working together, you know, I listened to countless interviews with the team, countless podcasts, you know, we see all the tweets. They talk about how the X-Men office, like they had their own special little Slack channel where they essentially, you know, would talk like once a week or once every couple weeks and they would treat it like a writer's room for a TV show. And I'm not necessarily saying that, you know, every single Marvel writer needs to get on a Skype call and talk every week because that is incredibly unrealistic. But, you know, sure, they have the Marvel retreats like once a year where they talk about their big plans for the next, uh, you know, couple uh, quarters. But I think that same level of community and camaraderie that the X-Men office managed to foster, if that's something that they could extrapolate and institute in a similar way, that sort of uh, symbiosis between the editorial team and the creative teams, the writers, if there's some way that they could get that on a larger scale, you know, and sure, I mean, I don't think they necessarily need to relaunch again because we just had how many new number ones, you know, just coming out. I th- Honestly, I like where Marvel is at right now, me personally, aside from Spider-Man. Um, I think they're, you know, I'm, I'm liking the, the relaunches they've done. But if they could get that sort of unified vision that I do think you are looking for, and I think that's what, sh- that seems like your driving force for why you would want the reboot, Um, I think there is a way that they can institute that without having to take everything all the way back to year one with these characters. Um, you know, maybe with new issue ones, but you know, that's a, that's a, that the question is, should Marvel reboot? Not sure. Should Marvel relaunch? Um, but yeah, I think the, the X-Men office is a great example of, of what to do with having unified vision, having a, a new sort of, guideline status quo mandate whatever you want to call it i think you know that was a gangbuster success story and it's still you know they're still selling pretty well like you know i don't think it it would be impossible to implement something on a publisher-wide scale that's fair okay well if that's all you got (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like that's that's all that's all that's all i've got that's all i got for now i would not know how to like set up that communication south well that's why we aren't you know in charge of marvel comics but again if they want to hear about the new mathematicians like i'm shopping this idea around every place. image dark horse if y'all are listening boom studios idw skybound you know jonathan hickman uh, i mean not jonathan but robert kirkman if you're out there you wanna you wanna tie in the new mathematicians to the Invincible universe? It'd be a great opportunity. So you know, get in touch. I don't think you, I don't think they're gonna be adding anything into the Invincible line anymore. I mean, like but they, they haven't heard about the new mathematicians, Drew. They don't know the power. You know, <laughs> it's just not it's just not adding up for them yet. Yet. True that. And hey, it'll change the hierarchy of power. In the it will change universe. the hierarchy of power. It'll be a whole new equation. The whole it'll be a whole new sum of power. 
Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Clearly we're getting a little loopy. So I guess it's time to wrap things up. Now, Drew, what are you, what are your final thoughts? What do you got to say for yourself, you know, for the, the Marvel reboot? Just what do you, how do you want to wrap things up for you? Like, Full whole thoughts. I still believe that a Marvel reboot would be benefit would be beneficial in both short and long term to the to like the Marvel comics, uh, both its narrative and its business wise. I feel like it'll be, and since it'll be Marvel's first time, it'll sell. Like you can't tell me that won't sell. So, I do believe I do believe like a reboot will help it and keeping it to a organized point will also help it you guys just just technically did a um not a reboot but a reshuffle of the x-men and having a consistent vision has allowed them has allowed you guys to like show what can what a world a uni a uh a unified writing wise world can look like okay uh my final thought ladies and gentlemen of the jury now i'm just a local x-men lover and I'm here to say that Marvel does not need to reboot. Now, as my distinguished competition over here says, you know, I the X-Men. Yeah, you see, the X-Men were, uh, and as I argued earlier, the X-Men were a guideline, a signpost, if you will. A great example of how to, to reshape a corner of the universe with a unified vision. But let me say, let me say that while... My competitor uses them as an example for his point. They did have that unified vision without rebooting the continuity. It's the same continuity, just for some reason in a 10-year time window, which does not make sense, but sliding time scale, we don't think about it. Point being, <laughs> I think we are in agreement, you know, final thoughts. We are in agreement that they a unified vision would obviously, you know, I mean, that will do wonders with every sort of, you know, universe. But I don't think that they need to redo the entire continuity to implement that. I think it would ultimately be undone in less than 10 years. I think, sure, there would be an artificial bump in sales for a short while, but depending on how it's done, it could end up alienating... uh you know, older, older readers. And I don't necessarily know how many new readers it would attract, but just based on, you know, how little the success of the MCU has been reflected in comic book sales. But, you know, we are not the new mathematicians. We only write about them. So what do we know about sales? But I think that is the end of today's episode so drew if people want to see more of your thoughts on should marvel reboot where can they find you and you know what else are you working on they can find me they can find me on twitter on twitter and instagram at drew garrison underscore you can come and find me on instagram tiktok and twitter at bag issue bins i have had a blast with this little debate episode drew we will definitely have to do more of these uh, but yeah, we will see you cool cats on the next episode.